read in verse 22 of James chapter 1, and it says this. Don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently, everyone say intently. Whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. We're continuing a series tonight we started last week around this idea of active in faith. And the, the big picture of this is that we would be the type of people who as we discover a faith in Jesus, as we put our hope and our trust in him, that it would create a sense of activity and forward movement rather than a one-time event that keeps us right where we're at. I want to be the type of person who, because of my faith in God, that it shapes then how I live. How many of you want to be that kind of person? I, I, I want to I be the kind of person who, because my faith is in Jesus, and because I follow in the way of Jesus, that it transforms now what I leave behind in this life. It transforms how I treat people. It transforms how I see myself, how I see others, and the purpose that God has for my life. I want to be the kind of person who... Because of my faith, I am active in it. Not someone who says, yeah, bro, I believe in God. Like the big man upstairs, you know? You know, like where you do the, 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 the pose on your Instagram? You know, all about the one upstairs? Like, what are you talking about? Like no one, if you knew God, you would know that he's not upstairs. He's like sitting right next to you on the couch while you watch Netflix. He's not upstairs. He's with you. And I want to have a with God kind of relationship with him. I want to be with God. I want him to transform my life. This is what we're talking about tonight in the next couple weeks. If you're taking notes tonight, you can title this message, Remember What You Look Like. Remember What You Look Like. Would you bow your heads and uh, pray with me? God, over the next few minutes as we, as we look at your word, we pray that it would transform us from the inside out. Um, God, if we're coming in here with any kind of things on our minds or any kind of baggage or anything that is a weight on us, or maybe we're just coming in here with a desire, God, to move forward in life, to grow and to follow you with everything that we have, wherever on the spectrum that we find ourselves tonight, God, would you change us from the inside out, move us forward, show us what we need to do. God, if there's someone, uh, someone in here, if anyone is in here and they're resisting what you're leading them into, God, would you reveal that to them tonight? Let them know that your grace is sufficient for them. Let them know, God, that you still have great things in store. And God, let us leave changed. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. amen. Um, I have a confession to make tonight, and I need you to not judge me for it. You might, though. You might. My confession is this. Um, 
There are very few occasions, but some, where, if necessary, I will find myself having to need to use, thus using, makeup. There are some occasions in my life where I will wear makeup. Now, before you go to a place in your mind, let me give you some backstory. Let me give you some backstory, okay? I need to give you some backstory. See, hey, slow down, people. I'm just like you, I promise. Let me give you some backstory. Get out of here. So, here's the deal. Here's the deal. I'm the type of person who whether, the, the, the moment I sense that I am getting a zit on my forehead, on my cheek, on the side of my head, no matter where it is, Noel can attest to this, it could be an inch beneath my skull, but I know it's there. You better know I'm pulling off to the side of the road the moment I sense it, and I am powering this thing out of my body. I cannot handle the awareness of a zit on my face. I can't do it. I can't. There's, there's this weird satisfaction. See, I didn't grow up with acne, and if you did, I'm sorry. I'm not judging you for it. But when I did get a zit, I needed to get rid of it as quickly as I could. I hated it. I could not handle it. And I, people would tell me all the time, Taylor, you need to let it just do its thing. Don't pop it. You're going to leave scars. I say, the scars tell a story. Points, you know, all glory to God, right? So it's like, I just, I can't, I can't handle it. So the moment that I feel a zit coming in, it's just like, hold on. Noel will sometimes be like, why were you upstairs so long? I was popping a zit. And what I will do is I will get real close to the mirror and with all of my might, I will push this thing out. Is there blood? Most of the time, yes. Did you come here to hear about my blood or my pimples? No, you did not. But you're welcome tonight. And so what I would do is I'll just I'll go at it. And so I remember this one day, this one day, the story will have purpose, I promise. This one day, Noelle and I are getting ready to go on a date. She's ready. I go upstairs to just change real quick, and I feel it. It's like midway through the stairs, going upstairs, it's like I feel the urge. I got a zit coming. I cannot, I can't do it. I can't be on this whole date. The whole time I'm talking to Noelle, and I'm aware that there's something underneath my skull. I know she can't see it, but I can feel it, and I can't exist. I cannot, I cannot function when I know that it's there. So I start going at it, and there's nothing in there. I mean, I can't. I can't do anything, but I tore apart my forehead. And I've got this meteor right in the center of my forehead. And so, but, but it, yeah, it's worse than a zit because I just drew attention to it. So I, I'm like going for it and I just kind of try and rub it out and it's like just there, it's just gross. And so I'm thinking to myself, okay, I got to remember when I go downstairs to put some makeup on it. Now, backstory on that. There was one time. Years ago, this is Noelle's fault, years and years ago, we were in the car, this is when we're dating, and um, something had happened, she's like, oh, just put a little bit of makeup on it. I have this, I think it's called concealer, is that what it is? And so there's, 
one day early in our marriage, I grabbed this old concealer, which I have had for the last about 10 years now. Now, I don't know if makeup expires, and if it does, I have some expired makeup sitting in the little pouch in my bag that whenever there's a zit, I go and I just get a little dab, and I just put it on there, I cover it up, and you may not know, who knows? I may have a red forehead right now, and you don't even know about it, so... So I'll put that on. So I, I'm getting ready. So I do the thing, and I was like, okay, I make a mental note. I got to remind myself to when I go downstairs to put some makeup on it so that I don't draw attention to it and humiliate Noelle. So I go downstairs. I walk by her. She notices. She doesn't say anything. And I remember in that moment, okay, I got to go grab the makeup. I got to put it on my forehead. Well, I get distracted. I forget about it. We get in the car, we start driving, we have a good time, we go and grab some coffee, we walk around the mall. We saw some friends that night that knew us. They didn't say anything. So we keep going, we go to dinner, we have a nice dinner, we're there for a couple hours. We walk out of the restaurant, we go to the bathroom that is outside of the restaurant at this place in Bellevue, and I get in there, I do my thing, I go to wash my hands, and I look up at the mirror, and suddenly I realize I forgot that I had done a massive damage to my forehead about five hours earlier, and the entire night I tortured Noel with having to stare at my red forehead the entire night. I was so angry. At that moment, I was mad at myself. I was mad at Noel for not telling me. I came out, I was like, Noel. You didn't tell me I did it. She's like, you're the one who popped it. <laughs> you're the one who gave me, make, I don't know. It's like, I was, so, I was so frustrated that I had forgotten to put the makeup on my zit. <laughs> and as I'm saying it, it sounds so weird. <laughs> but see, I, I, I was in the bathroom upstairs as I was getting ready for that night, and I knew exactly what I needed to do. But it's funny, as I went downstairs, even though I knew what I looked like, I had forgotten in that moment, I had forgotten what I looked like. I knew what I needed to do, but I unintentionally became unaware. See, the truth is, is it is actually very easy to become aware. The challenge is, it's very easy to become unaware or to forget. Like, it's not hard for you to encounter God. It's not hard for you to meet God. We provide environments. There are opportunities. Creation speaks to the goodness and the existence of God. So it's not hard for you to become aware. But you know what's also not hard? It's not hard to become unaware. It is not hard to get distracted. It is not hard to forget what you know to be true. You ever determined in your life to do something to make a change, to better yourself, to eat right, or to whatever you, it might be? You ever made a determination and then you forgot the determination that you made? Anybody? Just a few of us? I, I've done this. It's where I, I become aware of something, whether it's even in a spiritual environment and God reveals something to me, I become awakened to it. Now I'm aware of it, but then I get distracted. And as I get distracted, suddenly I've forgotten what God made me aware of. It's easy to become aware, but it's also easy to forget. And here's the truth. Here's what I want us to understand, is when you encounter God, 
When you meet Jesus, whether for the first time or every single day, when you meet God, whether you've been following Jesus for a day or for decades, every time that you meet with God, you become aware. You, you begin, you, it's as if you look into a mirror. And as you become aware, you see Jesus. And as you see Jesus, Jesus acts like a mirror where when you look into his eyes, he gives you a glimpse into who you are. Like the only way for you to discover who you are is by looking at who Jesus is because he reflects back to you who you are called to be, not who you may see yourself as in your own natural outside of who God says you are way. Are you with me? Like it's easy to like, if we look in the wrong kind of mirror, we see the wrong kind of us. But when we look into the eyes of Jesus, when we look into who God is, he reveals back to us who we are. This is why it says that, that the, the word of God is, is, is living and it's active and it's sharper than any two-edged sword and it has the ability to cut, this, how, how I love to say it is, it has the ability to cut deep and reveal what's really inside of you. And, and this is in a scary way, but it's also in a good way because the only way to see who you really are and who God has called you to be and who he made you to be is by looking at Jesus. And so Jesus, when we see him, when we encounter him, we get a glimpse into who we are. This is why it's so powerful at camp. You ever been into a camp environment? You've been to a conference? You've been to a Wednesday night? An invite night, whatever it might be? And it's, 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 no, it's, it's not a coincidence that when you're in a deep encounter, worship kind of moment, that you begin to get a glimpse into who you are. Like, I can't tell you how many times I've been in a worship environment from the time I was 13. Middle school, high school, where I'd go to camp or I'd be in a conference environment where the worship is dynamic and and people are praying and they're excited about Jesus and there's a message preached and I'm just rocked to my core and I leave so excited. Why? Because I looked into the mirror and I saw who I really was. God gave me a glimpse. He said, Taylor, you're called. You have purpose on your life. You have great things in, I have great things in store for you. There is still more ahead for you. And I looked into the mirror of what Jesus, where Jesus is standing, and he reveals back to me, Taylor, this is who I see you to be. Now leave and remember what I just told you. See, when you look into Jesus, when you are in God, guess what? Let me tell you about yourself. You are whole. When you look into the Jesus mirror, you are whole. You're not incomplete. You're brand new. You're not old. The old stuff, your past, your mistakes, guess what? Those are wiped clean. It's a clean mirror that you look at. When you're in God, you see purpose. You have purpose. You have future. You're forgiven. Your past is wiped away. You have a new way of thinking. The way that you see others, the way that you see yourself, is now different because you see Jesus. Your past now actually isn't just a scar, but it has a purpose, not only to continue to set you free, but to set others free. When you are in God, you begin to see a glimpse of who you are. But when you forget God, and this is a message for many of us, when we walk away and we forget God, what we once were aware of flips on its head. That like, I was complete, but I live incomplete. 
I live as if the girl is what I need to complete me. Or the affirmation from the guy is what I need to complete me. Because I walk around incomplete. I see a mirror and it says, I, I, I don't look right, the shape's not right, the gifting's not there. And what I do is I see an incomplete picture because I'm looking in the wrong mirror. You ever looked in a, one of those mirrors that makes you feel skinny? I love those ones. I turned to my side like, Taylor, you're doing good. All those sit-ups that you're not doing, paying off. But you ever looked in one of the ones where, you, or, or it's one of those ones like you look, you, you move an inch and suddenly you're skinny, but then you go an inch and suddenly it moves like this. And you got a, you got a big, you like, it's all disproportionate. Someone posted a picture the other day. They, there's a new filter on the, the, the iPhones. And they took a picture of me on my forehead. Thank you, Malia. And it shows my, I mean, it's like Megamind. I've got a massive forehead. I'm like, who do you, who are you? Do not spread it around. But it's so funny. Because, let, let, me, let, me, let me pull this out. Let me, let me show you what I mean is that picture is not an accurate reflection of who I am. That picture is a skewed picture. It doesn't reveal what is actually there. And when you're not in good in God, you see a picture that is skewed. When you're actually complete because of who Jesus says that you are, what you see is, I need a guy. I need to take my shirt off for him to accept me so that he'll stay with me, because if I don't have a guy, then I'm incomplete. Like, and so what you do is you see something that is skewed. It is not accurate compared to what's actually there. Because when you are in Christ, you are not old. You are a new creation. You're brand new. The old things, guess what? They have passed away. All things are now made new. So when you are in God, you don't see an old picture, you see the new one. But when we walk away and we forget God, we see a skewed picture. We're incomplete. Now instead of my, my past and my scars setting me free, I'm now defined my, by my past. My past is what makes me. I am my past. I am my failures, and I'll never change. That's what we see. You hold on to your guilt. Your mind becomes always negative. You ever seen someone like, I told someone earlier today, that I said, how are you doing? Well, I'm not very good. My day sucked. And that whole perspective, you know what it reveals to me? Is that they don't have the mind of Christ. Because when you do, and I'm not trying to say be fake. I'm not saying that you won't have moments where you slip. But it's so funny. Because I love being around people whose outlook is one like, and it doesn't matter what their circumstance is because they're just looking in the right mirror. That, that when you see them say, you know what, my, my day's been rough, but I'm doing great. God is good all the time. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying do that. You know, don't be weird. But it's so funny because when you forget God, your perspective is skewed. The way that you see your future is skewed. The way that you see your past, it's skewed. The way you see yourself it's skewed. The way that you talk to yourself, 
It's skewed. The way that you talk down about yourself because of the mistakes that you made, now defining yourself by those mistakes, it's a skewed perspective. It is not based in truth. And though there may be shreds of reality, it is not based in truth because the ultimate truth is not about your past. It's about what Jesus says about you. Can I get an amen? amen. This is what Je- so what, what we've got to do is we've got to stop looking in the wrong mirror and start looking at Jesus. Because when we see Jesus, he reveals back to us who we truly are. So what do we do? We go back to the mirror so that we remember who we are. He says, don't merely listen to the word and deceive yourselves. Instead, do what it says. Those who listen to the word but don't do what it says are like those who look at their face in the mirror, and after looking at themselves, they go away and they immediately forget what they look like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom, continuing in it, not forgetting what they'd heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. I want to talk three thoughts, three quick thoughts on how to remember. You can write down how to remember. Number one, how to remember. In other words, how to not forget who you are. Number one is you got to lean in. We use this language a lot but I want to give some perspective to it. How, we, number one, we got to lean in. It says, whoever looks intently, everyone say intently. Do a lot of that. Say, everyone say intently. There we go. Whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, they will be blessed in all they do. That word looks intently in the original Greek means to bend or lean down with your head bent toward what you're examining. To bend or lean down with your head bent or leaning toward what you are examining. In other words, to lean in. Not to lean out, to lean in. As you know, we have two kids in Jude. Um, Hayden, Hayden was easy as a kid. She went, after about a month, she was sleeping through the night. Didn't really give us a lot of hassle. And with Jude, he started teething later. And the way that he was teething was keeping him up at night. So months ago, uh, there was a few-month season where we were up throughout the night um, for months in a row. Every single night, we were losing sleep. And I don't know about you, but I'm not, I'm not super keen on waking up in the middle of night when I'm in the middle of my sweet dreams. Like, I, like, I, I don't want to wake up. And uh, Noel can attest to this. There are many times where Jude has been crying for a half hour, and she literally has to kick me, saying, it's your turn to get up. And I do not like that. And I say, why did you wake him up? I'm asleep. Let's just let him cry. Taylor, get up now. Okay. And so I remember this happened many times where we I'd be rocking him to sleep, getting him back to go, go back to sleep, get his binky. And, and a lot of times what would happen in this season, this one particular time, is I'm rocking him to sleep, and he gets to this point where he's pretty much fading. And you can see his eyes are about shut, but he's trying to fight it. But he's soothing himself with the binky. And when he's about 89% there, he would just kind of, spit the binky out, and it was really a toss-up with 
whether he would stay, stay asleep or if that motion would wake him up. And in this one particular time, he spits it out, he stays, stays asleep. But the binky falls out, and in this one time, it hits my knee, and then it hits my foot and rolls somewhere. Now, mind you, it's pitch black, and every time that you would go to lay him down, if you didn't have the binky there to soothe him, the motion of putting him down without a binky to soothe him would cause him to wake up. And as he wakes up, he looks for the binky, doesn't have it, he now becomes alert and aware, and you have to start back at ground zero. And I know this, been dealing with this for months. So for the next 10 minutes, I'm moving the chair so slightly to keep him asleep, feeling with my bare toes, trying to find the binky everywhere. And all the while, I'm cursing this binky because I'm so angry that it fell on the floor. I can't find it. I'm turning around. I'm, I'm getting to the point where if this is the, the rocking chair and here's the, 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 uh, the crib, I'm like to this point where I'm keeping him asleep and I've got my foot under here sweeping to find this binky. And it is nowhere to be found. So finally, I get to this place. I'm so angry. I'm yelling, maybe even saying a swear word at this binky. Don't judge me. It was the middle of the night. I hate you, binky. You're the bane of my existence. And so I'm like, I've, I've got to do something. i got to do something because I'm not staying in here. I need my sleep. Don't have my cell phone. So what I do is I pick him up, still asleep. I go to lay him down on the crib, and he starts to wake up. And he's in this about 10 second of, if you've got the binky at the right time, you might still be able to salvage the situation. So I quickly, I hop onto the floor. I'm on my stomach, and I reach my arm underneath the crib. And I'm sweeping everywhere. I've got my foot under there and my arm under there, and I cannot find it. And I'm so frustrated. And by this time, Jude has now become alive. He is reanimated, and he is now back to square one where he's screaming. So I'm like, forget it. I hop up, don't have my cell phone, can't use a flashlight. I flip on the light, get back down there, get on, my, on the ground, and I lay down there, and I stick my head under the crib, and I look, and the, the binky, and if you've ever been in Jude's room, this, this will torture you, is the binky is in the farthest corner of the room, behind the last leg, tucked back there to where the only way to get behind it is to move the entire crib about three feet out, walk behind it, bend over, and pick it up. And I was so angry at the crib at this point. I'm mad at the binky. I'm mad at my son, even though he was at the time only about nine months old, and he had nothing to do with any of it. But it had rolled all the way under there. And only until I turned on the lights, got down on all fours, and reached under there and looked intently, was I able to find what I was looking for. And here's what I'm trying to say to you. Is that it is only until you commit to the process that you will find what you are looking for. Because here's the truth of what I just said. 
When you come into an environment where you worship, uh, the reason we do worship, the reason we do it loud, the reason we have fun and create dynamic experiences is because we believe in it. The presence of God comes here, and he rocks us from the inside out. We leave changed, but we cannot leave just changed, expecting the change that happened to by osmosis keep us going. We must, from there, make a commitment to keep leaning into God when we don't feel what we feel on a Wednesday. That when it's a Tuesday morning and we're tired and we don't want to go, when we don't want to be used by God, when we don't want to give God everything, or when we feel tempted, that in those moments say, God, I'm, I'm intent, I'm going to keep leaning into you. I'm going to keep going after you. I'm not committed to just, when I feel it, going after you. But when I don't feel it, I'm going to lean in. When I don't feel it, I'm going to go for it. God, when I'm not in it, I'm going to be in it. I'm going to lean in. It may be uncomfortable. I may be tired, but I'm going to get down on the floor. I'm going to reach, and I'm going to find that binky and get my kid to go to sleep. Because I lean in. I don't lean out. I lean in. And some of you have been trying to use your foot to grab what only your hands and your eyes together will be able to reach. says we've got to look intently. Your identity and your view of yourself will be sparked in a moment when you encounter God. But it will only come to pass as you look intently, as you keep going. God's will and his calling for your life, guess what? You will get a glimpse of it in a moment. But it is only until you continue to look intently, continue to lean into God, continue to go after God, continue to obey. When you wish you could go this way, that you say, I believe that God's way is better than mine, that there's a way that seems right to me, but in the end it leads to death, but there is a way that is right to God, and in the end it leads to life and life to the fullest. So I'm going to go after that, even though I want to go this way, God, I'm going to lean in to you. But it only comes when you commit to continue to lean when you don't want to. Yeah. Healing from childhood trauma, pain from your parents' divorce, times that you were abused and you still feel it and you wake up in the middle of the night with memories and trauma and you thought you were healed from it, but all of a sudden you realize that you're back at square one. Guess what? In a moment, God can heal you from that. But it only takes commitment to saying, God, when I feel the pain, I'm going to lean into you. God, when I feel the pain, I'm going to go after you. God, when I feel like giving up, like there's no redemption for me, I'm going to trust that you can take the worst situations and turn them around for my good. So I don't care what the death difficulty is. I'm going to lean into you, God, because I know that you are good. And I know that if I keep going, that you're going to see me through this season. You're, I'm going to come out the other end. I'm going to be victorious because of who you are in my life. See, it only comes when we look intently, living the new life when your reputation is old. Guess what? I mean, I I can think of many over the years, people who came, met God, and they encountered God, and the conversation we would have on the stage right after service was, How do I keep this, what I just experienced as I gave my life to Jesus as I go back to school tomorrow, knowing that everyone, if I told them, would turn their back on me? Guess what? You deciding to follow Jesus, you going after him, is not a one-moment thing that just fixes everything. It is a constant, it's a daily, one foot in front of the other, saying, God, if none go with me, I'll follow you. 
God, the cross is before me. The world is behind me. So if everyone leaves me behind, I'll still go after you because I trust in your way, in your purpose, in your life for me. And guess what? A long obedience in the same direction is going to get you where you want to go. But it's a commitment. It's not just a moment. It's a commitment in the moment to stay committed in the moment, to stay committed in the moment, to stay committed in the next moment, and in the next moment, and in the next moment. It's every moment combined to say, I'm going to continue to look intently. Committed to the long haul. I'm going to focus on Jesus. I'm going to embrace the tension. Because this is the promise. This is where the freedom and the blessing come. Is that when we continue in it. He says, whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. How many of you want freedom in your life? Awesome. Whoever looks intently into the perfect law, the way of God that gives freedom, not binds. That's the paradox of it. Is the law of God sets you free. And we look at law as something that binds us. But the law of God, the way of Jesus, actually sets us free. That one was free. Whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and, key word, continues in it, will be blessed in all they do. See, the mirror is the moment, but the movement is in the daily. The forward movement, the continuation, is in the daily commitment to stay following Jesus. Number two. Number two is this. To remember, number two, we need to, or we need friends who will point out our zits. <laughs> you thought I was done, I wasn't. You need some friends who will point out your zits, unlike my wife in that moment of weakness that she had where she chose to <laughs> let me be uncovered before the entire world. Um, you need friends who will uncover your zits, who will point them out. There was a time in Portland uh, where I was about, um, I, I kind of let myself go before we got married. I was a, I was a hefty uh, chunk, a little bit bigger than I am now. I was about 20, 25 pounds heavier than I am right now. And uh, I remember one time showing up to church, and a guy there, it, uh, I was wearing this coat that I liked. It was kind of my stylish outfit for the day, and I'm feeling good. And he sees me, he literally says this. He says, hey, looks like that coat doesn't fit you anymore. You might need to go one size up. And I was like, no, it's probably a shirt I'm wearing under it. He's like, no, dude, you've gained some weight. (laughs) I remember, uh, I was like, yeah, probably. And I remember feeling so sad. But guess who started their diet the next day? This guy. (laughs) Yeah. But it's so funny. Because that friend was so blunt, they told me what I needed to hear. See, some of us, out of desire to not be uncomfortable, we've surrounded ourselves with people or become the friend who is unwilling to say what our friends need to hear. So we surround ourselves with people who build us up only. But we can't think of the last time that someone said, hey, can I challenge you in this? Can I, can I help you to move forward? And you know why? Because every time we do, we push them out and we say, they don't have my best interest at heart. So you have people in your life who've actually spoken life into you, 
but it came through the form of criticism or rebuke or a challenge or something that made you feel uncomfortable. So you distanced yourself because you didn't like what they said. You said, who do you think you are? And what you did is you cut yourself off from the blessing of God because he placed them in your life to speak what you needed to hear. And instead of receiving it, you pushed it out because you don't want to have to deal with the discomfort of the fact that you are not perfect. Did not feel good to me that day when my friend told me that I needed to go a size up in my jacket. But can I tell you, to this, to this day, I'm thankful for that moment because I have never gone back to that weight. And I never will. Unless I'm an old grandpa who doesn't care anymore. At which point, that will be okay because it's allowed for old grandpas. But until then, I'm so thankful that he was willing to tell me what I needed to hear. Here's what you need to do. and I would encourage you to write this down. Get some friends who will call you on your stuff. First thing. Second thing, decide to be receptive to it before it comes. Get some friends who will call you on your stuff and decide to be receptive to it when it comes. Decide now that the next time you are criticized or challenged or someone tells you that you need to fix something, decide to be open to it and say, God, is there any truth to what they're saying? Whether it's a leader or a peer or a parent or a teacher, whoever it is, some of you are in the habit of every single time that someone is in your life and they criticize or they nudge at something, that you just push it out. And you've trained yourself to be immune to the very thing that you need. Decide now that you'll be receptive to it. This is a challenge. This is not easy. Because I have a friend who, a while back, I'd made this conscious decision not to be perfect, but that when someone would call me on something, that I'd at least be open to it. I got a text from a friend that said, hey, you said something the other day. And I want to talk to you about it. And I remember being like, oh my gosh, why did I do that? And I remember feeling so frustrated at myself and, and like humiliated and like, oh gosh, is this person going to be mad at me? And we text back and forth, we get together and, and, and we're talking and he's like, you know what, honestly, he's like, I'm not mad at you. It's not a big deal. But um, I love you and I know that you really care. And I know that you're a good man. And know that you love God and love people. And so, because I love you, it would have been wrong for me to not say something. And because I love you, I'm committed to helping you grow in this area. And I remember that was so freeing. And I left that conversation frustrated and so happy at the same time. Still frustrated, like, why did I say that? I was so thankful that I have people in my world that when I fall, they're willing to say, hey, Taylor, something needs to change. Let me encourage you. Let me challenge you. Let me tweak something. Let me speak life into you because I don't want to leave you where you're at. Get around some people who will do that for you. If you don't have any friends who will do that for you, there's one or two reasons. One is you've pushed them out of your life, and so you need to go and opt back in. Or two, you never had any, and you need to get you some new friends. Maybe start with a youth leader and say, tell me what I don't want to hear. One of the best questions that some of you young people you could ask, your youth leader, do it tonight. Say, what do you wish you could just beat me over the head with? What do you wish you could just tell me to do, but you're tired of saying it to me because I don't listen? 
I wish some of you, some people over the years, I wish some people would just come to me and say, Taylor, tell me what I need to hear. Because in those moments, it gives me permission to say what I've been saying for years, but has been going in one ear and out the other. I pray that I would never be the kind of person who people stop talking to because they know I won't listen. Can I be honest? I've been in seasons like that where I trained people to say, Taylor is not going to listen, so why even bother? I want to be the kind of person who says, I'm open to criticism because I know it's going to make me better. Some of you have shot the messenger and you've ignored the message. Commit yourself to hearing what they say because it will sharpen you. And the sharper you are, the more lethal you will be to the cause of the enemy and the more purpose you will find in your life. I'm going to invite the band to come forward as we get ready to close. Number three is to remember we get tired, but we don't give up. We get tired, but we don't give up. Whoever looks, it says, whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and they continue in it. Continue, continue, continue. You know what that word continue means? It means don't stop. It means continue. It means keep going. It means press on. It means don't quit. It means don't let the insult define you. It means don't let your mistakes define you. It says whoever does this and they continue in it, then they will see the freedom. Then they will see the blessing. But the key here is that we don't quit. Some of you, you even went to camp and God rocked your world. And you know it. And it was a real and genuine experience. But then pressure came and you quit. You quit. You gave up. Because you said, I... I don't think I can get up another time. I don't think I can keep doing this. I don't think I can keep going for it. See, if you knew that when a righteous man falls seven times and seven times he gets back up, then you would know that if a righteous person keeps falling and keeps getting up, then you can get up when you fall. You gotta press on. You gotta keep going. Don't quit. Some of you have given up. Stopped inviting. Stop reaching out. You stopped even showing up. Here's what we do. When we feel tired, we worship. When we feel tired, we press into God. When we feel tired, we let the peace of God flood our hearts and our lives. When we feel worn out, like we failed too many times. We say, God, thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that you're for me. Thank you that you've never given up on me. And we get up and we say, God, today is a new day. I'm going to keep moving forward. You got people that you've invited to church and they keep saying no. I was challenged with this this last week. I have a friend who said every week before church, I text a few people and I invite them to come with me. They always say no. He says the next week, I do it again. Sometimes I'll text a different crew of people every single week. I text 
eyes saying, hey, you got to come to church with me sometime. And I was challenged with that because a lot of us, what we do is we try, it doesn't work, we give up. The way that we do it now, can I, can I, can I encourage us as we wrap up here? Is that we try, and if we fail, we try again. And if we fail again, we try again. speaking to me and I'm going to allow this to take root I'm going to commit to it I'm going to remember who I am keep your hand on your heart maybe the rest of you maybe there's some of you in here this may be both you've given up you've quit on God maybe even some of you since camp you had a genuine encounter but then life hit the fan you just quit. You're tired. You've given up. You're worn out. If that's you, would you put your hand on your heart? Believe that God wants to say that you can keep going. That he's not done with you yet. He still has a plan. Would you repeat after me? Say, Jesus.